0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Hello, everybody. It is your favorite time of the week Perhaps not, but it's at least the favorite time of the week for KJ and uh, yours truly. How are you, Keith? I'm doing
2: well, doing well. We, glad to be back in, in in my seat, but not doing your job.
1: We, uh, well, and I'm glad that we're actually back in the same studio. I mean, last week, I think we set the broadcast back, our particular broadcast, uh, at least several decades, which is hard to do because we're pretty far back to begin with. Yeah, but
2: We're in the Stone Age.
1: When I listened back to the show, it sounded as if I was on the moon somewhere and and
2: I was uh, you, I was using my best Barry White impersonation,
1: <laughs> which uh, so so one good thing has happened since then or two. You know we're in the same room and, and you're apparently healthy. Again. I, I'm feeling much better. Thank you. All right, now we're going to talk about how to get the basketball team healthy because <sighs> they 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 they're suffering from a head cold. <laughs> we, we Either
2: gonna, that or they they've all agreed to just close their eyes when they shoot free throws or something.
1: Well, let, let's jump right into this, and I, I'll mention that Tim Lounfield or Seminoles.com insider will join us a little bit later. We are going to talk Florida State baseball. 11. Mike Martin will join us uh, coming up and uh, the season of course starts on Friday so always look forward to uh, what's becoming an annual conversation at least uh, with us and 11 but but let's start on the basketball front I realized the game was Saturday so we've had a couple days and you've got a week off and then you go to Pitt. I think we all understand, if we're reasonable, that winning on the road in the ACC is difficult.
2: Well, Nobody won on Saturday. Now, I hate saying that because that would put me in the same category. Remember when Coach Bowden would say, well, you know, half the teams
1: lose right, Saturday. Right, right, right.
2: Don't mean it that way. I'm it, just saying the ACC, particularly at
1: home, has just been well, brutal. Even, even last night, Notre Dame was down on the road to Boston College. Virginia Tech was in trouble at Pitt. Uh, th- those sorts of things. But... So I think we can we we accept that but the issue is that Florida State hasn't competed in some of these games. Now to be fair, they were great against Miami. They beat a very good Virginia team on the road. Uh but some of the other games and Syracuse the second half was fine but the start was not great. Georgia Tech was a wash and Notre Dame it just, I don't know if sense of the urgency of urgency is the right phrase or it just looked like there wasn't enough want to to me when I watched the Notre Dame game the other night. You were there.
2: Certainly, it's a, you know, from the shoulders up problem. It's not a scheme problem. It's not a talent problem. Uh, it's not a, there's now divisions within the squad. This group doesn't like that group. They all get along fine. I travel with them. I can, I can attest to that. Uh, I don't know how to put my finger on it other than one thing. There's not one guy... There's not a guy, the guy, that when it's sensed that they're not focused and all in, that can raise his hand, raise his voice, and have them rally around him to get to that level. There, there's not that leader. Uh, the closest that uh, I think is there is is candidly Ojo, and you know because of the role that he plays, although he has been there, you know this is his fifth year. You know, I don't know that he commands the same respect that an Isaac or a Bacon or an XRM would from the standpoint of what he produces on the court, therefore, younger players looking to him for that guidance. But I, I, I've been disappointed with, with what I would term the leadership or the lack of leadership, particularly on the road, and particularly you know in the, in the early going of ball games when it's apparent that someone needs a little swift kick in the rear end. There's not a guy that can do that.
1: Well, the best players on the team are younger guys. Isaac's the best player. And Bacon both, is and right both there. there. Bacon's a second-year guy. Yeah. They're so, both quiet people. I, yeah, I agree. And so in those scenarios when they need something, uh, whether they're the ones that are vocal enough to be the leader, maybe it's Ojo that needs to say, you know, hey, if a timeout's not called or you're not coming out of a timeout, it should be obvious to me that you need to get it to either Bacon – or Isaac, and have some set plays to, to have them take over yeah, at that point.
2: But, but again, I go back to the shoulders up. I, you know, I would like to see someone that was capable of barking a little bit and having the kids respond. And, and of course, the first thing you think about is, well, it should be one of the coaches. Well, I, you know, you and I have had that conversation all right. along. Co- coaches' motivation only lasts about thirty seconds. Uh, kids' motivations, the the upperclassmen staying on the youngsters about here's how we do it, here's the way we do it, and we do it this way every time is where true leadership comes from, in, in my opinion, on any team sport. I, I would just like to be able to see someone that could turn around and if you know if, if X is not doing what he's supposed to do or Bacon's not doing what he's supposed to do or well, whoever, can bark at them the way I used to get barked at by Reggie or Paul or Monk and get my attention – right and and get me refocused and that person has not identified himself yet on this, on this team
1: well a few things <clears throat> to me it should be bacon who's got a year in the system plus this year and is an nba player but maybe naturally that's not his personality now on the isaac front i want to go back to a tale we shared at the beginning of the season really i relayed that story that happened to be over at the btc and charlie ward was there and and sam lunt the longtime trainer like 30 year trainer and trainers know everything about guys who work hard, don't work hard, guys who show up on time for their rehab. Don't, they know where all the bones are buried. I was talking to to Sam, and he, and he points at Charlie – or, no, he pointed at Isaac, and he said that guy, and then he points at Charlie, has the same exact personality as that guy, and he pointed at Charlie. Now, that's a great thing when you think about Charlie, and everybody knows Charlie that's a Florida State fan. But remember how quiet Charlie was. Always quiet. So it is not Isaac's personality to just say, hey, I'm open, get me the ball. And he's going to have to force that. Now, in the NBA, if he's a third option, even if he's going to be a lottery pick, he's a third option on a team, second option. He doesn't necessarily have to be that guy. But on this team, it'd be great to see it. It, it, Someone. Anyone. Doesn't matter who. All that said, the biggest thing that frustrated me or concerned me, and maybe they're undoing, it's not – how they play on the road versus at home. Because when you get to the tournament, you're on neutral sites. But the free throw shooting... I don't get it. I, I don't and want this, to say it's a pattern, but they were abysmal at North Carolina and whatever five degrees south of abysmal is, is what they were against Notre Dame. Well, not
2: only that, I, I forget which game, but one game they were 19 of 21. Right. They shot 93% from the free throw line. So it—it it, they're capable of doing it. <clears throat> Pardon me. I Again... I realize this is an easy rationalization, but I go back to the to the neck up. And, and you know, not having played college basketball, uh, I've not been exposed to all different types of teaching uh, ways and that type of thing. But the few practices that I've been to, they work on free throws, but they don't work on three free throws the way I would. You know, they all stand around and shoot free throws. No, I'd shoot three free throws and then run down to the other end and I'd have two people yelling at them. And when they bounced the ball, I'd knock the ball out of their hands. I'd push them off the line. Well, you bring I, w- up- I would do all kinds of physical things to disrupt their attention because they've got to learn to refocus their attention, settle back in, and make that shot. You, you
1: bring up an interesting concept. Could we get the seminal sound to show up at practice and wave their hands either and or, them? Either You know, or. it's funny. In, in football, they'll try and put the pressure on the kicker by saying, hey, the team doesn't have to run gassers if you can make this. So they try to add that pressure back uh the the two guys in particular who are really all over the map with free throws are Terrence Mann and X uh as we've talked about previously the big guys I mean Ojo can shoot free throws well and he was Isaac horrible to years throws. ago but Bacon uh to me should be automatic and there's sometimes where he went the other night was one of them right. where he's just bricking the first one so I don't know uh, all that said they have a week to get right Saturday's a big game against Pitt uh, and they're still going to be absolutely fine I mean I was looking at I think it was on social media. I didn't even actually look at the uh, projected field of 64, but somebody had Clemson as the last team in. So if you think about Clemson being in, they're three and nine. Yeah, we we need or whatever. Yeah, we need to not worry about where Florida State is. To me, uh, you know, the if you look at the beginning of the season, the expectations or the hope was let's get back to the tournament. Then they won five out of six, and everybody said, oh, let's win the championship. Uh, and as I always defer to the middle, I think realistic where you are right now, Florida State should hope to be a top four seed so that they don't play until Friday in the ACC tournament. And they end up being a top four seed in the tournament, the big tournament. By the way, which I'm means still, they'd probably I still be think in you play
2: on Thursday in the tournament. You still? Play oh yeah, three I games. keep
1: saying that wrong because so, and the that's finals big,
2: on Saturday. Yes,
1: yeah, because the finals on Saturday because they took over the Big East thing. Right. If you could get straight through to Friday, that would be great. Exactly. The point being, you get a double bye to the quarterfinals. Erase everything I've said about the day of the week, and you're actually there, so you would know. But but if you're top four in the ACC tournament and you end up with a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, I mean, you'd, you'd have taken that in September, October, November, December. I, I personally
2: wish, shock's too strong a word, but when the preliminary, that first look, came out uh, last Saturday and had them as the number six overall seed, but that's I, because
1: of resume. That's, I
2: understand. Yeah, the, the voters. And I'm going, wow, that is really high. I don't think anybody
1: expects it, that. It's the exact opposite of what happens to FSU football because FSU football has been so good for so long. You look at the years when they started to decline in the latter Bowden years. They were overranked, overvalued by voters who don't know the team. They just vote them there. So what do you do in basketball? You overvote Duke, North Carolina, the Blue Bloods. And you look at Florida State. So and, there are four teams ranked ahead of florida state right
2: now that florida state's
1: beaten i'm not excusing it i'm just saying don't waste your anger on it because this is how pollsters vote but i like it
2: it creates conversation But when you look
1: at the resume they've got all these top 50 wins i mean the resume is what it is so they're gonna be fine in that front all right
2: (sighs) how about how about another team that's ranked real
1: high with great expectations the baseball team yeah yeah we'll talk about that uh, after i remind you that uh our good friends uh, at Madison Social are uh, up to their old tricks again. Uh, matter of fact, I think I think tonight uh, they've got seminal sitters lined up. And uh, if mom and dad need a date night, you can go out. They'll watch the kids. They provide the babysitting, the whole deal. Uh, i still tried to get over pizza, National Pizza Day. <laughs> and this might actually now that i think about it i don't think that's madison social but i think that's at centrally which is great uh had lunch again there last week uh, they've got 11 for 11 11 specials for 11 bucks it's a good deal uh keep who that's named after uh 11 who appropriately will join us <laughs> next segment to talk fsu baseball there once again is a professional unscripted segue back after this
0: The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Welcome back to the Front Row, and we are really pleased that Seminole skipper Mike Martin is uh, kind enough to join us uh, via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Eleven, how are you? doing great Tom it is uh, always good to hear your voice that means that uh, the sound of uh, baseball is going to be back in the air Dickhauser Stadium Mike Martin Field the season opens this weekend before we get into that I'm I'm curious I mean you've you've been at this a lot of years so uh, wh- what's the off season look like for you I don't you know do you do you and Carol decompress do you travel do you spend time with your grandkids how do you recharge that battery before you give it another go
3: Well. Spending time with the grandchildren is the most important, but I'm going to do everything I can to keep my job because I sure ain't going to get a job on the golf tour.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of which, I, I, I've been told that there's a little uh, mock ceremony you have to go through as you're getting ready to uh, after the, after Christmas time and getting into January when the season uh, preseason starts, and, and you have a little ceremony when you put your clubs up in the closet and tell them bye until you know sometime in July. <laughs> Keith, it's a
3: sad moment, but it's just reality, baby. It's time to go play baseball. Exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: I, well, one more question on this front 11, I, and I, I won't share too many details, but but Keith and I did run into you at the airport, and, and it appeared that you were coming from a certain, certain golf course that uh, is pretty popular uh, in, in the second weekend of April that's uh, located in Georgia. So how'd you hit them there in Augusta?
3: I hit the ball very well, but as usual, did not score. But if, if we had a couple of hours, I would tell you everything, all the thrills. All the uh, memorabilia that I brought back—I mean, it was it was an experience and a memory.
1: Well, congratulations on that, and uh, I'm sorry you had to put up the golf clubs, but it is for a good reason because I know you're really <laughs> excited about uh, this year's team. So uh, that's a pretty broad question, but as you are, you know, 48 hours away, less than 48 hours uh, from from opening pitch, what has you most excited about the 2017 Seminoles?
3: You know, you always get these cliches from coaches, but I risk, I just like the ball club, the way they come out every day, wanting to get better. Sometimes when you have an experienced club, and let's face it, we've got an experienced club, but sometimes you get guys that think they've got it all figured out. For an example, Taylor Walls. Taylor Walls was the first team All-American last year, And he is working harder than anybody on the field. And if I start telling you what I think about him as a baseball player, we would definitely run out of time. But it's fun to see that type of approach as we enter this season because it's a long season. There's going to be some down moments. I mean, the best teams in baseball are going to lose 30% of their games, I I certainly don't want to lose 30% of our games, but that's just the way it is, especially in this league. And (laughs) Corey Clark wrote a column this morning, I'm sure y'all read, about the strength of our basketball league. Well, Syracuse doesn't have a baseball team, so you can throw them out, but the other 13 that we play are very competitive.
2: Coach, they talk about in baseball, your strength is up the middle. Uh, with your starting pitching and and, and your catcher, uh, I mean, ha- has there been a better group in recent memory at Florida State? You know, d- to get you off, you know, in first innings uh, every weekend. You know, Keith,
3: we've been blessed and had a, a a number of outstanding players up the middle, and it goes back literally to. The 60s, when you start looking at, or I should say the 70s, when you had Terry Kennedy uh, and Mark Gilbert, two guys that played in the big leagues. Yes, we are strong up the middle. We really think that Cal Raleigh is going to be very good at the next level. Taylor Walls, Matt Henderson, J.C. Flowers, those guys, can run, throw. We're pretty good up the middle. So, to try to answer your question in comparison, I would just say that we feel very good about where we are with our players up the middle. Again, we liked them last year, but of course, it was it was the same bunch except for Deluzio.
1: Well, you mentioned J.C. Flowers. Uh, obviously, he's a newcomer. Tell us a little bit about J.C. That
3: well, it was a great get. He was all scheduled to go to Kentucky, and then the guy at Kentucky decided to hang him up, and that was in June. And um, nothing gets by me. He got on it immediately, got the young, he's from Jacksonville, and got the kid over here, and the father was just fantastic in in the way he felt about Florida State baseball. And that certainly helped us. And uh, Meek signed him. And gosh, y'all, he's done nothing but get better. I mean, he's 18 years old. (laughs) He threw a ball from center field yesterday. And being a former center fielder of a few years back, I never could throw the ball that far. And he threw it just as smooth as silk on a line to nail a guy at the plate on a fly ball to center field. And the guy could run. It was at third. Well,
1: I can tell listening to the sound of your voice that you're excited about what's ahead for J.C. Flowers. You know, Drew Mendoza, another newcomer, is the guy who's gotten a lot of headlines because he turned down big bucks to come to FSU and he's been snake-bit already, so I'm wondering if you've got him in a room with padded walls at this point or what the plan is to keep him healthy as you uh, as you obviously want to have him at third base.
3: It, it literally crushed me when he it was discovered that he had broke his thumb. He was having an outstanding fall, spring. He was excited to get started. His mom and dad went to Florida State. We, the surgery was done yesterday. We're hoping to get him back in six weeks. That would probably be the earliest. But let's just hope it's that early because this young man will be somebody that you will look out there and say, well, that guy made your lineup. He sure bud made your defense. He, he's a player. He, he's He's a big time player to go along with a number of big-time players we have on this team.
2: Well, Coach, we talk about the ones that are named and and Florida State baseball aficionados would remember them. Who who surprised you? A guy maybe that's come out of the bushes a little bit, the expectations or the notoriety weren't so great, but somebody that uh, we need to keep our eye on early in this year that may surprise us.
3: Keith, there's a couple, but I'm just – since we talked about J.C., I'm going to go to – the most important part of our game, and that's the pitching. Watch Stephen Wells. Uh, Right before your very eyes, you will see a young man get better as the season goes on. He's matured greatly. He suffered a, a horrible event two years ago in his life when he lost his brother. He is just groaned leaps and bounds and uh very proud of what he is doing every day and trying to get better and yesterday he was clocked at 90 92 throws from a three quarter arm slot and he's the kind of guy that all three of us would not want to see in a squad game
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your hope for how you may be able to use him this year
3: Probably from the fifth inning on, one of those guys that we feel, uh, if we've got a lead, that we could feel confident with giving him the ball for six, seven outs. One of those guys that, like a Dylan Silva, like a Jim Boyles was used last year. That type of role.
1: You mentioned uh, the the horrible events in his life the tragedy there uh this is not the, the same caliber but you have another pitcher in Andrew Carp, uh who's come back from a devastating injury from a car accident a couple years ago and I know he's been on the roster but I don't know that people are that familiar with his story what can you share about him
3: when I saw the car I, I, I honestly could not believe he was rehabbing at that point in his life. He is a devout Christian. He was driving home. uh, I believe he was on the turnpike. He's from that neck of the woods. I think he had gotten to the turnpike. And what do you call it when you hit one of those patches of water?
2: Hydroplane.
3: Hydroplane, yeah. Well, he hydroplaned into woods and hit a tree and his girlfriend was with him. She escaped any, I mean, she had minor injuries. He was literally crushed by the impact of the car into the tree. And he had a metal rod all the way from his hip to his knee, he broke his femur and he rehabbed. And I'm not talking about every other day. He rehabbed every single day. It was amazing. If I walked by that weight room, that young man who was a very good student was rehabbing. And if I'm not mistaken, it happened at Thanksgiving and He just got better, and next thing I knew, he was back on the mound and never any complaints, never any – he's got a great demeanor, got a great pitching demeanor. Of course, I might have a great pitching demeanor if I could throw at 94 (laughs) like he does. But he's the guy that will be our fourth starter. You'll probably see him for an inning or two this weekend.
1: Well, we look forward to it. That's a, that's a remarkable comeback story for him. Eleven, I, w- I want to go bigger picture a little bit because you're close to another milestone, two wins away from from 1900, and uh, you know on the horizon, not too far out there, is is the all time win record that that Augie's got right now. Uh, it'll take you you know this year and next year to get it, but uh, the the goal is always Omaha. But when when you look at milestones like that and legacy, what what? What resonates with you? I mean, what what do you want people to remember about you as Florida State skipper?
3: You know, Tom, for me to sit here and tell you that doesn't mean anything to me, y'all could really then have a reason to say, that old man's <laughs> lying. Because I want that, yes. I want that, yes. There's no way I can sit here and tell you it doesn't mean anything to me. For crying out loud, that's a goal. Well, our team has goals. Now, what is more important? Now, that I can answer truthfully. The most important is the goal of the team, and that's to get to Omaha. But that doesn't push aside the other situation. I look at my job as continuing to try to do the same thing that I've tried to do for the last 37 years. And that's prepare young men for the next level, but more importantly, to prepare them for success in life. And that means a college education. And our guys have done a great job in the classroom. We had a 2.92 overall. That's an average of 36 guys. And can't tell you how proud I am. Like Meek said, it's a good thing he wasn't on the club because somebody's going to have to pull a (laughs) 4-0. But it it was a great semester. We're looking forward to playing baseball. The excitement is still with me. I'm really anxious to see how this club goes through the season. Another challenging schedule. Heck, VCU was one win away, if I'm not mistaken, two years ago of going to the College World Series. They had a Super Regional in Miami, and a lot of those guys are still playing. So it's a a year that we need to understand we got to get better every day. We can't be complacent. We can't be... Anything other than what Buster Posey and James Ramsey and D.J. Stewart did when they knew they were going to be number one draft choices and they played for the team, nothing was before the team. And just quickly, when we were in Omaha in 2008, Buster Posey came to the plate with the bases loaded, bottom of the ninth inning, in two outs. A 3-1 pitch was two balls off the plate, and the umpire called it strike two. Buster was hitting 3-1. and one. Now, the next pitch was three balls off the plate, and Buster took the pitch for ball four. He didn't go up there saying, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to do what needs to be done to help our team win. Those are examples of what it takes to get to Omaha. Buster Posey lit, left behind a legacy of team first. So you might say, I, I'd like to, when I get out of here, that's what I would look, like to be looked at.
1: Well, you know, Bobby uh back in the day used to joke that uh someday his tombstone was going to say, but at least I played Miami. Uh and and I know you haven't had the ultimate you haven't had the ultimate success out in Omaha, but uh you're not done chasing that uh So what do you want on your tombstone someday?
3: Well, if I said at least I played Miami, people would start laughing cuz I played them over 200 times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If we if we put the series result, we'd have to use the back of the tombstone too.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to answer that. I just I just want to be known as a guy that put the players first. That's probably the best way to answer that question. He put the players first.
1: Well said, and I was uh there uh, up close for a lot of years when I was doing the radio eleven, and uh, I've been up close in other roles for a lot lot more years. Uh, look forward to another season. It starts on Friday. I know you're fired up for it, and uh, best of luck this year. Thanks a lot, guys.
3: Great to be with you,
1: Seminal Skipper Mike Martin. Uh, he is one of a kind, KJ. He's he's the best. He's the best. He is. Uh, I guess year number 38, and uh, looking at this, so 1898 wins. Augie Garrido has the all-time record at 1975, but he's not coaching right now. So you can do the math on that. He's 78 wins away from from being there. He's 39 uh, straight 40-win seasons. Not all those were his. 37 straight with him as the skipper. 37 straight to the NCAA tournament. 17 uh, trips to Omaha under 11's direction. I mean, it just goes on and on when you look at these things.
2: Well, and it's like everything else, and, and uh, only because I had the opportunity and fortune to play against him and I've got a football he threw me that he didn't mean to, but the, the comparisons always come up about, you know, did you win the ring? Did you win the championship? And uh, Marino, uh, you know, was always talked about as a great quarterback, but some po- folks won't put him as the greatest or amongst the top five greatest because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Um, I think Mike's in that same situation, not having won uh, the national championship, but you you just can't argue with the success of the program. It's it's We've had two – really dynastic situations at Florida State that we're so close to, we sometimes forget about the, the 14 years of football and then the 37 consecutive years or whatever it's up to now of tournament appearances for baseball. And unless and until those go away, you, you don't really appreciate them. But when you look at both of them side by side, it's pretty remarkable.
1: Well, hope uh, springs eternal. The Cubs won it all this year. It can happen. Levin and the boys uh, have the leadoff uh, dinner tomorrow night. You can contact Seminole Boosters for more info there. And then opening day is uh, Friday. We'll come back and uh, talk more as we roll on here on the front row.
0: (laughs) The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Back on the Front Row. How good is Mike Martin? He's in mid-season form.
2: Uh, He, you know, I've told the story about uh, Hauser approaching me and asking me to try out, and then and he went about to the Yankees, and I didn't know Mike, and, and so therefore my baseball career never got started. And not suggesting it would have been one, but uh, uh, it was a flicker. Uh, I would have loved to have, have played for him, uh, had the opportunity to play for him. Don't know if I'd have been good enough, but I would love to have had the opportunity. And obviously with uh, all the years we did uh, Sunshine Network and Sun Sports and you and I and Gene doing uh, televised baseball games, got to know him, got to know meat, um, you know, just good people. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a reason why you have that success for that extended period of time. It's not just uh, it, there is a lot of good fortune and a little bit of luck involved in it. But the reason you sustain that success is because you're good at what you do.
1: I've shared this story before, but just for the sake of appreciating, sometimes you hear 38th year, you don't really process 38 years. His first win in 1980 was over Miami, and it was within the same 48-hour window, might have been the same day, that the United States hockey team pulled off the Miracle on Ice because I have used that as an introductory point when I've uh, introduced 11 before. By uh, sort of smugly saying, Levin's always been a little bit bitter that the hockey team got more headlines that day than he did. But I mean, think about how long ago that feels to talk about the Miracle on Ice. That's when he started coaching Florida State.
2: How about the trivia part of the Miracle on Ice, though? That game was not it was, aired it was, live.
1: It was taped. It also was not the gold medal game.
2: It was not. It was the runner or the the second the, the semifinal game. Excuse me. It's all
1: interesting nobody's listening to this show to hear us dissect hockey i can assure you so let's let's go to something we know a lot more about punting for example is something i know a lot more about than hockey i punted
2: in high school yeah i punted i kicked off i returned kicks i returned punts
1: i thought this was quarterback you know people who follow florida state football and follow recruiting uh, saw this uh but florida state's got a preferred walk-on punter coming in 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 tommy martin and it's not just a preferred walk-on he's he's one of the top guys in the country hang time is terrific uh and so there's gonna be some competition at then we've talked on this show about the need to be better in the punting game and and this is an effort to get there
2: uh i think by some accounts he was ranked as high as the third best punter in the country uh he's coming out of virginia and i uh, read somewhere i don't know if it was the democrat or some other paper about that pipeline that jimbo and his staff have kind of developed into that chesapeake bay area up in virginia And, uh, you know, getting him down here and getting an opportunity for him to go through spring ball and and, uh, that type of thing is going to be exciting to see him. Don't don't mean any disrespect uh, to Tyler, but uh, certainly
1: some improvement in that area. It it was needed and is needed. Yeah, he was previously committed to James Madison, but uh, couldn't turn down the offer to to come to FSU. So a little bit of post signing day news there on the uh, on the football front. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider will join us uh coming up. There's there's a lot of good things going on on the uh on the women's basketball front. The women lost a tough one to Texas. The what uh, a game. the other the other terrific game went double overtime. It's sort of ironic. The men, all the conversation is that the men can't win on the road. Well, the women are 23 and 3 and all three of their losses have been at home. Well, let's be fair though. One was UConn, one was <laughs> Texas, one was <laughs> NC State. Yes, yes uh but what's interesting there is that on the women's side they'll actually host the first and second round of the tournament what do you think about that do you think the men would ever go to that format i don't think the men would i think it's purely driven by a need to have fans in the seats and when they've tried neutral site for the women's first and second round games it hasn't gone well
2: well and florida state has actually hosted a a tournament game in which florida state was not playing
1: on, the women's, on side. the
2: women's side and and the attendance struggled so i, I like the concept particularly it rewards you makes your your season of well, boi- your similar, body of it's work similar
1: to what you do in baseball yeah. where you have 16 regional host right. sites right women's basketball is doing the same thing
2: so uh and i and, uh, and i'll be excited to, to see how florida state uh, the ladies perform uh you know they've, they've, they've they got to a, it
1: they've got a really good team despite that setback this week do you remember when the civic center hosted uh, the men's mm-hmm. opening rounds in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. I, I think to,
2: Florida was one of the participants. I, the I think,
1: Florida? yeah. I don't know if it was uh, I may, I may was Iverson in here with Georgetown or is my time frame totally wrong? It might have been. I'd have to look up that been. field. We'll do that before we uh, finish up. But uh, we are just getting warmed up. Grab your popcorn. Uh, we are going to uh, contact all the uh, people in the vicinity or have their cell phones on. We're going to ask them to turn it off so that hopefully Tim's sounds... Christine, today. It is time for our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linefelt, right after this.
3: We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control.
0: The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
1: All right, we're back on the front row. And that uh, sounds familiar. It does. Via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we welcome our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt. Now, Tim, listening to Pearl Jam, that carried us for a while. I mean, that got us through the five wins in that six-game stretch, but then Georgia Tech happened, and we had to pull the plug on that, right? So, uh, as I recall, how are you, Tim, by the way? You there? I i'm doing great tom how are you Uh, good good now we won't pin this one on you we'll give tom lang the credit because he did pull it out on and it got us a win over miami a couple weeks ago and that was this right this was the first half then the second half so that got us past miami and and got us a little mini win streak
2: but we got to toss that but, but we got to we got to toss it we
1: got to toss that one too because we watched the Notre Dame game the other night so what, what do you got as the team gets ready to go to pit this week Tim?
4: well you know I gotta be honest I really thought we might get a little bit more mileage out of the eye of the tiger and I'm, I'm disappointed to have to discard that one so quickly but uh but in honor of, uh, of of maybe Leonard Hamilton after Saturday night and certainly some of the the Florida State fans uh, do you have any Rolling Stones on tap can, can you get any satisfaction
1: let's see can we find some? This this is Florida State fans as FSU's at the free throw line. Is that what we have here? At least the other night. All right, I, I like it, Tim. We'll go with it i can't no no no, no, no. no it, free throw if keith is gonna sing we're done with it but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try that and i'll be happy you, you can't go wrong with the rolling stones tim so maybe that will change the the fortunes because we can talk about a lot of things tim but i don't know that i've ever seen a team shoot worse at the free throw line than what fsu did the other night
4: yeah and it's such a frustrating thing and, and i'm sure you know they're just as think we talked about this you know a few weeks ago or a few months ago it's it doesn't make any sense. You know, they're, they're so good in so many other ways, and they, we've seen them shoot well at the free-throw line. Uh, and for one reason or another, uh, particularly it seems like when they go on the road, uh, it just doesn't come together that way. And, you know, maybe it's the difference between winning or losing, and maybe it isn't. But it's hard not to feel like you didn't give yourself the, the best possible chance to win uh, when you struggle at the free-throw line.
2: You know, I, I equate it. Uh, what little bit of golf knowledge I have, it's like continuing to miss the two footers to save par. You know, they, they maybe maybe they don't win golf tournaments for you, but they certainly lose golf tournaments for you.
4: Yeah, exactly right. And and I think you know the bigger issue, the bigger concern is 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 look. You know, Florida State. I think we all believe right now is is going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're in really good shape for that, and and have some games that. They should be able to to win down the stretch here before they go up to uh, to Duke at the end of this month. Uh, but you just don't want that to come up, you know, in a Sweet 16 game or around a, a round 32 game, something like that, where you're you're playing really well and, and playing a team that maybe you feel like you should beat, but because you're struggling free throw line, the game is closer than it should be. To me, that's that's the bigger concern uh, moving forward. And I guess if you want to look at it from a, the the silver lining perspective, is that they have some time to sort it out. Uh, but but that to me is is. You know what would make me nervous?
1: Well, you know it's crazy. We're having this conversation like they're seventeen and nine or sixteen and ten right now. I mean they're they're twenty one and five. So, uh, and I think when you look at the five they have left, I you know well I mean I guess I know what the ultimate worst case would be. But I think really the worst case is probably if they went two and three. And most people might say they go three and two. And best case maybe four and one. I don't know, Keith. You're not necessarily. No, I'm.
2: I'm just thinking. When's the last time, if ever? that Florida State had 25 wins going into the ACC tournament.
1: Which is where they'd be if they went four and one. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they're going to beat Boston College at home. I think they would beat – they've been so good at home. But anyway, regardless, the point is they're in pretty good shape. But what Keith and I were talking about earlier, Tim, is I think the frustration on the road is that you watch them play, and I'm not – Convinced that sense of urgency is the right phrase. but it, The intensity, intensity, the
2: enthusiasm, the
1: energy. I, it just seems like something is missing there, like it's not the same team. And so we talked a little bit about maybe lack of leadership there in terms of being a vocal leader. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know. I'm not sure that there's any one thing that I would pinpoint, and I don't, I don't know that there is a common denominator besides the fact that it's just you know pretty difficult to win on the road. I mean, nobody's really been able to do it uh, in this conference. I think Virginia is the only team in the league with a winning record on the road, and and across the ACC, the the winning percentages on the road are something like 30%. It's it's crazy. Um, And so that's kind of just the the world that we're living in. Uh, I I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like the the team didn't know what was at stake against Notre Dame, or they didn't know that they were playing uh, a good team. It's just the the league is really difficult. I know people probably don't really want to hear that, but it's a, it's a, it's a hard league to play and it's a hard league to, to win on the road. And so and the fact that Florida state has been able to have some success, I would take to be uh, encouraging. Um, and, and then you sort of have to wonder, you know, does the fact that the NCAA tournament, it's, it's not a true road game, but it's also not played uh, in the Tucker center either. And so, you know, wh- what side of the coin does that fall on? So I, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not frustrating to see a team that plays so well at home uh, struggle uh, on the road and struggle comparatively speaking. Uh, but I, I don't know that it's really any more complicated. It's just than it's, it's hard to go in other people's buildings and, and win. Uh, you know, when when the league is this good.
1: Yeah, I do wonder. We haven't talked a lot about this, and we can move on to, to other subjects and talk about the pit game. But you know, that five or six stretch. Remember that it, it just the way it worked out. Florida State, about everybody they caught in that stretch was down a player. Virginia Tech was missing a starter. Duke was missing a starter. And if
2: I'm not mistaken, Carolina, four, four of them were at home also. Carolina
1: was missing a starter. Yeah. Louisville, and I, I know they lost the Carolina game. So I'm just saying, maybe, maybe the five and one was a little better than what they would have done if all those guys had played. I don't know. I'm not trying to discredit it. Uh, or maybe it is just what you're saying in terms of the road. regardless. They're not. They're not in bad shape nationally. They're certainly not respected based on the polls. If you compare that to where the RPI, well, the they're respected
2: wins. by the committee though. That that's what by the pollsters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I was talking to
4: uh, somebody the other day. They're asking what I thought about them being ranked so low. I said, ah, it turns out you know the, the basketball polls uh, apparently are just as silly as the football polls. Just most of us didn't didn't know that until this year when Florida State uh, ha- has been ranked just about every uh, every week for almost the entire season. So uh, the fact that they were sixth in the NCAA, NCAA, NCAA RPI last week to me speaks more than the AP poll or the coaches poll." Uh, and I wonder, when it comes to the the more traditional polls, if it's just sort of a name brand, name recognition type of thing, because otherwise, it's really hard for me to see, you know, some of the schools that Florida State has has a beaten and B uh, has a better overall record than uh, B significantly higher than them in the polls it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: So, how do you uh, feel about the Pitt matchup this weekend?
4: I think it should be uh, all right. Uh, you know, Pitt normally would be a pretty difficult place to play, uh, but that team is is really. Not very good. Uh, They've they struggled a lot. Uh, they're in their first year under a new coaching staff, Kevin Stalling, If you remember him from Vanderbilt, and, and it seems like there's been a lot of, of discord there as he kind of figures out, you know, who's buying in on the roster and who isn't. Like at one point, they went on a pretty long losing streak. Uh, finally, snapped that skid and then blew a, a pretty big lead to Virginia Tech uh, just last night. Ended up losing that game. So, at, at this stage of the season, yeah, Pitt's at home, but I wonder just. You know, With that team not contending, certainly not for an ACC championship, not contending uh, to make the NCAA tournament, uh, I, I wonder just kind of how motivated they're going to be at this point of the year or if they're just playing out the string. Uh, and if it's the latter, then, uh, then that certainly works in Florida State's favor. And it seems like kind of one of those games where, and this is something that would be an accomplishment on the road, if Florida State can come out, establish itself as a better team early on, maybe build a quick double-digit lead, that, that seems like the kind of game that, that it would go ahead and, just kind of let Florida State do what they need to do and, and, and
2: roll on. There's just two things that bother me about that. Number one, Florida State has not had good success at the Peterson Center uh, historically with, with whatever team Leonard took up there. And secondly, they've got two kids that are averaging 20 points a game apiece. And, you know, if both of them got hot at the same time, you know, that's a formidable foe. I, I know it's a game Florida State will be favored in, uh, certainly expected to win, but those two little uh, factoids cause me a little indigestion uh, when I think well, about it, it. And it definitely kind of flies in the face of, of my longstanding theory is that
4: if you have two great players, you can be really successful in college basketball. But but it, it's certainly challenging that by the fact that they're 3-10 in, in the ACC and just sort of seem – I mean, think about that program. You know, it wasn't all that long ago. They were, I think, they were, they were a one seed in one or two NCAA tournaments, were kind of one of the, the top programs in the country. And now, I mean, they're just a mess. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. The Florida State hasn't done traditionally well uh, up in Pittsburgh, but they haven't played up there too terribly often
2: either. That's that is also true.
1: Hey, uh, there's a sidebar story that I'm going to unload here, Tim. I, I know you're a Steelers fan. Are you a Pirates fan too? I feel like I should know. I that. am. Yes. Okay. Uh, So are you aware of where home plate uh, sits for Forbes Field? Oh, I am. Absolutely. Have you been there?
4: Uh, I have. I have. Yeah. And I I plan to go there again this weekend. Well, then you
1: did better than me because one year, Keith and I were up there for Thanksgiving. So it was a Thanksgiving tournament. This is long before Pitt was in the ACC. Uh, That was uh, Tony Douglas, right? It might have been. It was earlier and it might have been Nate Johnson and Tim Pickett. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look at the but the moral of the story was it's like 18 degrees outside and I decide I'm going to set out across the Pitt campus that the answer by the way folks is that there's a glass case in a building on Pitt's campus that has the home plate for there's Forbes a
2: building Field. where it used in, to be and and but they kept in it and they, it's
1: close to the original location they kept the plate so I decided I was going to truck out and and find this thing but I had no map or no idea where I was going it was 18 degrees and I was dressed like in a windbreaker because I'm from Florida right you know so I wasn't appropriately dressed so I made it about 100 yards and said you know what I'm going to go get back inside the Peterson Center where it's warm, and I'll never see home plate. I'm glad to know that you made it. So was it would it have been worth the walk and and the frostbite for me, Tim? Well, are you a Pirates fan? I'm not, but I you know I did grow up as a baseball fan, and there's a lot of history there, obviously.
4: We well, you know it also. That I, I think it's still there. I don't I don't think they've knocked it down. But the uh, the outfield wall where Bill Mazeroski hit the home run in 1960, they left that standing too.
1: Well, I didn't find that either. If they'd have left a heater from that era, I would have tried to find that, and then maybe I would have found home plate in the wall. <laughs> and by the well, way, and way, folks, the thing, you know, uh, by the way, I'm wait
2: minute, actually wait.
4: inside, so you'd have been okay
2: let's let's make sure we're clear one thing i was on that trip with mr block and you'll notice that mr jones was not accompanying mr block anywhere on this survey or or whatever you soiree whatever you want to call it because i had myself back in that heated building and i wasn't leaving
1: (laughs) yeah and there's a footnote we won't share with you tim but we will when we go to break so our listeners i'm sorry we're just going to leave you out of this one all right what else uh, on the florida state front should we talk about we had mike martin on Uh, earlier Tim and he mentioned by the way that Drew Mendoza had his surgery yesterday and uh, the the soonest on the time frame now he's hoping for is six weeks so it went from four to eight to six weeks uh, at least minimum now that they've done the surgery but uh, beyond that there's still a ton of optimism and we've talked about this with you what are you most looking forward to seeing uh, as the baseball team rolls out the ball this weekend
4: well I was really excited to see Drew Mendoza play just with all the hype around him so uh, I know I'm a little disappointed in that I'm sure he's he has to be really disappointed to, to one come back from when uh, he had the broken cheekbone uh, in the fall and then now the, the thumb going on here. So it's a, a tough first year for him, but you're right. Florida State, the, the program should be in good hands while he recovers, obviously. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the pitchers. Uh, I don't know when the last time that Florida State had three weekend starters, clear cut weekend starters uh, with such a proven track record that Drew Carlton, Cole Sands, and Tyler Holton have. All three of those guys by the end of last year we pitching really, really well. Uh, all three of them are back, obviously, and and just you know, it seems like every every year for the past few, it, you, you knew who the Friday night guy was going to be. You had a pretty solid Saturday guy, and then it seemed like open audition for the Sunday guy. Uh, and and so now and to have those three set and and be able to know what you're going to have, and, and you know, I mean, assuming that they all continue to play at a high level and, and improve some, uh, it could be the best pitching staff of Florida State's had in, you know, at least four or five years and maybe
1: beyond. Well, and he mentioned, uh, we asked him a little bit about Andrew Karp, who will be their number four starter. He also talked about Stephen Wells uh, from the mound. And of course, you got the Boyles brothers back. So I, I think it could be uh, a tremendous pitching staff this year for FSU. And even if it's not, when you look at the veteran, even if you didn't have Mendoza in this lineup and you just mentioned, Taylor Walls and Jackson Luke and, and, and Cal Raleigh and Neaporty. I mean, there's, there's a pretty formidable lineup, even before Mendoza, Dylan Busby, before Mendoza returns.
4: No, you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you mentioned Jackson Luke. He, he to me, when, when you think about all these guys they have and, and, and you reel them off between Taylor Walls, Dylan Busby, Quincy Neaporty is going to get some extra playing time in the field now that Mendoza's out and on and on and on. Uh, it's easy to forget that, again, yeah, by the end of last season, Jackson Luke was hitting the ball really, really well and the ball was just jumping off his bat. And so, uh, to me, it just speaks again to what, what I think we talked about this a little while ago, is that I don't want to say out of nowhere, but in really, really short order, Florida State has developed this nucleus of players both uh, in their pitching staff and in the field of just really talented young players who, who all of a sudden you look at it, I don't know how many rosters across the country can be better than this one. Now, you know, baseball is a funny sport. You never know what happens. Uh, A a year ago, two years ago at this time, uh, I don't know that Florida State fans could have dreamed that that they would have this type of core uh, so quickly. Especially you know after the departure of of, uh, DJ Stewart or James Ramsey, some of those sort of cornerstone type players to, to have rebuilt so fast. I mean, I guess that's what you expect out of Florida State, but it just seemed like it came together so quickly down the home stretch of last season and into the postseason.
1: Tim, we are uh, running shy on time here. You know, we had to work through the music library to to get at the uh, the new walk-up song, but uh, we appreciate your insight as always. All right, you got it, guys. Anytime. He is our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt, on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Is it Be- significant that he picked a song that's older than he is? Well, the Pearl Jam song was probably older than he is, arguably. Maybe well, not I'm not, a big, not, not quite. a big Pearl Jam guy, but I know... <laughs> I, I Probably all three of those songs are older than Tim. I, I don't know. We'd have to look up the birth date, pull out the driver's license, and then we'd have to look up No, it. we're not going to go to that ever. Yeah, we're That's, not. I'm too lazy. And too we're insulting lazy. Tim right now. I'm anyway. too lazy. He's, you know, Tim's at the point where he wants to claim his age. He's not 20-something anymore, but he's not 40 or 50-something. So he's okay with it. He wants to own it. He's already off the line, so he can't respond. But we will finish up the front row right after this. <laughs> Stay with us. <laughs>
0: The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. And we do want to give a
1: shout-out, uh, you just heard, to uh, Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go see Ron. Tell him we said hello. Keith, uh, we're, we're just about out of time. In the, in the last 30 seconds of this week's show, what would you like to opine about?
2: Well, uh, I won't opine. I'll look forward. When we get together next week, we'll know how we did against Pitt. We'll have three ball games at a minimum in the books for the baseball team uh coach sue and her her ladies will have played another game we haven't even talked about the women's golf team which just ran away with their tournament uh last weekend uh, as we softball team and softball just, yeah. uh and so as we have talked about recently uh all things look good as we continue forward in this 16-17 academic year sports wise
1: i also may have jury duty tales that i can or cannot share depending on how that ends up Now that is a reason to tune in next week. I will wait. Or perhaps I'll be sequestered and you'll have to do the show by yourself. I will wait with bated breath. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week. Maybe. (laughs)